In this episode, the three of us will be asking each other questions about various topics of disability. We want to try and get to know each other a little bit better and just see where today goes. This is a two-part episode, so stay tuned for the second part releasing next week. Hello and welcome to Ramped Up, the fourth episode now of Series 2. My name is George Brass. My name is Julie Shankai. I'm Lexi Bushnell. And uh, we kind of haven't planned this episode. I mean, as we keep saying, we very rarely plan these episodes. Um, but usually we at least have a topic. This time we don't have a topic per se. We just more have a, uh, well... A dozen questions. Actually, a bit over a dozen. Well, we don't even know how many questions we have. We have some questions that we're going to ask each other. Um, different sorts of questions. So some about, um, like, uh, activism, some about finance, some about um, sort of uh, Paralympics. We've got different topics. So we're just going to see how this goes, essentially. So, yeah, I, I don't know who wants to go first. We have a list of... Uh, 20 questions, although we've just been looking at them, and they don't look, some of them don't look brilliant, I'll put it that way. Um, so, who wants to go first? Should I do the first one then from the first section then? Uh, sure. Alright, so the first question is, what comes to mind when you hear the word disability? I think because of society when you think of disability, the first that you think of are physical disabilities. Um, I think that's just the way that society educates you, whether like actively educates you like that or passively. Um, and so I do struggle sometimes to not uh, to, to not only just think of uh, physical disabilities, also because I'm physically disabled wheelchair user is one of the first things that I will think of. Um, but I think it's, in doing my workshops, in doing this podcast and a bunch of other things, my mind has been open to actually all these different types of worlds that we have, all these different types of worlds. To the whole... Uh, my mind has been open to the whole world of different disabilities and things like that. Um, so I, I think that's my sort of rubbish answer. Okay, so do you want to go next, Lexi? Um, sure. So when I hear the word disability, the first thing I think of is a wheelchair. Like that is the symbol on any kind of like a parking uh, sign or that's the common symbol. And like, that's just the first image that pops. It, but there are so, so many others and coming to learn about what makes a disability, it's like it just completely expanded my view. Um, for example, someone, some, someone I never thought of as disabled, uh, it came up in a workshop. We had someone mentioned an elderly person walking with a cane. Well, that would be a disability. They they would have um 
and and so even kind of more smaller things like that are still a disability and still they still affect lives and still need those accommodations and that's without even considering um the mental and uh the unseen which just goes so much more mm. yeah i'm kind of similar as well i think if someone asked me that question i don't know i want to say 10 years ago right i would probably say again physical physical disability but something that was more common was a wheelchair or um, a walking frame. That's also something I've been exposed to quite a lot, especially when I was younger. And then I went to college. So secondary school, I was kind of the only person with a disability um, until the pandemic hit when more people joined, but I wasn't there because of the pandemic. Um, I went to college. Again, I was kind of expecting one thing, which is only physical disabilities. I just got exposed into a much broader spectrum of disabilities and I think it's it's a good thing as well because apart from those people educating you about different types of disabilities you can use that to educate others as well um, and also for me like invisible disabilities when I was younger was not thing in my mind I guess apart from maybe autism or down syndrome apart from those apart from those two to me invisible disabilities or you know intellectual my, my, yeah there you go thank you that's the word I was looking for <laughs> those kind of disabilities I didn't really think existed until I was exposed to it during college now university and I'm very much happy with it now mm. Okay, so going on from that, what sorts of disabilities are you aware of now? Um, how, and how much has your understanding of different disabilities been expanded? Um, so, obviously, apart from my scoliosis, spina bifida, um, I've been exposed to cerebral palsy. I've got friends who have cerebral palsy. Um, ADHD, autism, obviously on different spectrums as well. Um, oh my gosh, what is it called? Dwarfism? Dwarfism is something else I've been exposed to. Um, you know, here's the thing with me. I visually, right, see a spectrum of different disabilities, but like I... I don't know if it's just ignorance. It's not ignorance. I'm not trying to ignore the different disabilities. I just don't take into consideration the names. I just know the effect it has on that person from the stories or the experiences I hear from those people. Is that that's not ignorant? Is that? I hope it's not. I wouldn't say it's ignorance. Just that you um, you don't have a very medical mind. So I know that I have a very medical mind. I know lots of disorders and names and diagnoses and all of that. And I have to constantly remind myself that not everyone is like that. I know, but the thing is with me, like, I only know, like, the medical terms or, like, the 
medical side of my disabilities. I know what, what impact it has on my health and then from that what has impact on my everyday life. For people that I meet, I just see what they physically, like they tell me physically what they can and can't do, try and accommodate them as, as much as I can and just treat them like a human being really. I don't try and like say to them that I don't want to accommodate them or I don't want to be their friend just because of that. I have a very good understanding when someone explains to me I can't do, I can't, you know, walk up the stairs or I can't go uphill because like for me example for a wheelchair user at my university if you want to go anywhere you have to take long routes around just to get into like ramps and like step free access mm. but then for them for example so for my friend who has dwarfism she's not able to walk long distances so she knows the shortcuts via stairs and lift and stuff like that so it's not that i ignore her disability it's just i guess different i guess i accommodate it more if that makes sense Hmm. You don't have reason to think about the effect so much. Also, it's not something that, like, they make me aware of too much, nor do they feel the need to share it, and I'm not going to push them to share it. Okay, okay next up. Um, I think... I've always had some degree of awareness of disability. Uh, I've always known about disability and um, I, I, I think I've always sort of known about the different types of physical and sensory and so on. Um, actually, if I look back on my life, all of my close friends without exception, as far as I know. Actually, maybe one of my friends from primary school didn't have, like, some form of disability, like, whether it was uh, sensory or intellectual or uh, physical. Actually, all of my friends have been disabled in some way or another. Um, okay, in that sense. I was thinking the opposite way, where you're like, I didn't have many disabled friends, but I knew of a few. That's what I thought you meant. No, I, I mean, like, Mm -hmm. I didn't know that any of them were disabled at the time. But now looking back, I'm like, yeah, that, that person definitely has had or has ADHD. Or, yeah, that person is on the spectrum. Or, you know, all, all of these different things. Because when you're a child, you don't really think about it much. Exactly. It's not and... something until years later where you're like, oh, my God, the signs were so clear. But you just yeah. weren't educated that well. Or you weren't told. Or they didn't feel comfortable telling you. Exactly. Um, mm. And so because of that, I think I've always accepted people with disabilities because I didn't realise. Um, and so that, it, you know, talking to people with disabilities is almost normal for me. It, it's almost more normal than uh, talking to people without disabilities. So I think I've been very fortunate in that way. Do you now feel that you make friends easier now that you know of certain different disabilities or know what to expect? when you see signs of someone who has a disability, it could be visible or non not visible disability? I think... Um, I'll give an example. So, me and Lexi, we both um, moderate a Discord... a very large Discord server for screenwriters. And we had a member on there who it became clear was 
uh, we were told was on the autism spectrum. Um, but they had other issues too. We never, you know, worked out what they were. Uh, but there were a lot of members picking on them and being quite... Uh, mean about it? Yeah. Not about the disability, but not understanding where she was coming from. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, they were irritating other people, which is fair enough, they were being a... a what, the not a pleasant person. The autistic person. Well, yeah, yeah. it was going both ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but because what we think happened is because of the way people have always seen her in real life, she was quite aggressive to people all the time because people wouldn't listen to her. Defensiveness, basically. Yeah, very, very defensive. Which made her really difficult to help. Um, no. But she was very defensive and. Um, yeah, I, I think that that's one way I've forgotten what your question was I said, do you think now that you have met so many people with different disabilities Oh yeah, I know where they're coming from and stuff Yeah, so um, I mean that one wasn't a friend but I could see where they were coming from and I could see, I could understand why she was so defensive where other people couldn't Yeah. Um, and I think that in me being disabled, I, I, I'm not defensive in the same way. That's for sure. But I, I am. I can see where it comes from, yeah. and I, I'm able to justify to other people. Okay, no, this isn't nice, but this is why it's as a result of being disabled in society. Kind of being like someone that speaks up for them, or be like a mediator, saying, "Hey." Yes, they may be aggressive, but there is an underlying reason to why they're being so aggressive. And that's actually a really good way of helping. Because um, yeah. different people are kind of, especially when you went through, I guess not direct abuse, I guess, but abuse in the sense of where you have been ignored or nobody really cared. It could be a sense of for them be like, why should they care? Why do they care if I'm, you know disabled or not or if I'm reacting the way I am because to them that's a normal behaviour yeah. because of what they have or what they have a disability anyway should we move on to Lexi so the very first things that come to mind are wheelchairs blindness deafness I uh, I don't know very many disabled people in life, at least with those specific uh, disabilities. I've known a few deaf people. I've known one person in a wheelchair. And the thing is that mm, with wheelchairs, as that I have learned, there's a gazillion different reasons and a gazillion different uh, disabilities that people use wheelchairs. And so... I've learned just so much of, I don't know, there's a lot of disabilities with names that I'd never even be able to pronounce. And uh, most of the disabilities that I encounter are actually on social media, not in real life, as I'm following uh, creators and seeing kind of their, I don't know, personal bit more of their personal life and their the stuff that you don't see 
um, on average, if you know someone in public, um, mm -hmm. or, or if you just pass someone in the grocery store or something. Um, so that is where I have, I know most of uh, the people that I know of with disabilities, at least the ones that are physical and, um, uh, and very obviously disabled. Now there's a whole lot more that I know that either deny that they are disabled or um, have more of, you say, a developing, they're developing problems um, and, and having to adjust their life. And that still, in my opinion, counts as a disability because of the sheer amount that it impacts their life and how much they have to change. Okay. And I think that is kind of also true where I feel like now, a days, we are more exposed to different types of disabilities through social media rather than face-to-face -face interactions. I don't know, maybe it's not really, well, one side of it is educating people about different disabilities and that they exist. I understand that. But also, do you guys think maybe people, I, on, one hand, on one side, I want to say that they are asking for um, confirmation or like acceptance or opinions, I guess on dis their disability or disabilities in general. Does that make sense? Because, you know, there's some people on the internet that say, oh, like, you, but you're able to walk. In your videos, you're walking. Why do you need the wheelchair? To me, that kind of is also like that person not only is educating them, but validating them, saying, hey, yes, I use a wheelchair. Yes, I can walk, but short distances. Not everyone is paralyzed from the waist down if that makes sense. I feel like people are educating and validating themselves and other people to be like, hey, this is the world we currently live in. And I guess social media is a platform where you won't face face-to-face -face interactions, if that makes sense. Because nobody in the street is going to come up to you and scream at you saying that you're faking your disability. Right, but online, I guess people are more comfortable to open up and say, "This is my disability. This is what I do. This is yes, I can walk, but I, you know, I use a wheelchair." And yes, people can hate on them and like leave nasty comments or whatever. But the beauty of social media is you can mute people, you can block people, or just select people that you want to either see your content or comment on your content. Like, I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but I hope it makes sense. It's kind of double-edged. Because mm. um, in public, people don't say the things they're thinking, or there is a typically a type of decorum in public that they're not going to come out. Now, that is not true for everyone, and there have been many, many, many instances of 
people being combative and confronting those that they don't uh they don't believe deserve the disabled i i just, um my words are getting away from me there have absolutely been confrontations but those are much more rare than the ones on um on social media it it is true that like the ones on social media you can ignore a bit easier on the other hand they are a lot more common, and if you're scrolling through your comments, you never know what kind of a comment you might see. Yeah. Um, and so I think there are advantages to both sides and both ways. And disadvantages on both sides. Yeah, but also when people like on the street, for example, you might just see that person for a split second. Like, you don't spend a long period of time with that person if you are just minding your own business obviously but i feel like with social media especially with disabilities people become sort of obsessed i guess not obsessed in terms of like them wanting to know but this obsession of wanting to continuously spread hate considerably mm -hmm. making that person feel miserable and I guess this, this, there probably is some instances that we are not aware of where somebody might have been so proud to be disabled, they're seeing other people do it, but somehow, some way, in the land of social media, they're becoming a real target, and that's probably making them feel a lot worse about having that disability before even getting onto social media. Does that make sense? And you don't see that that often but i even uh, saw a stat somewhere that 28 percent of disabled people aren't online don't have any social media platforms that's probably one of the reasons because they don't want to hear those comments i guess yeah. you, like for me before i got social media yes i would hear the occasional you know in school obviously the bullying and stuff like i would hear occasional comments but like i like as soon as I left school, like went home for the day, those comments, like they no longer were around me. They were left behind the school doors. That's where they left. Yeah. All right. So some people refer prefer to use the term physically challenged instead of disabled. Uh, what do you think about this? And I will also include um, uh, the term handicapped, crippled. Um, and uh, differently abled, all of those different types of terms. Can I just go first? Because I want to go off right now. Right. When I hear the, the term physically challenged, first thing that comes to mind, yes, that, that facial expression right there, yes, that too. But what I'm trying to say is um, the first thing that comes to mind for me is definitely someone who is in a wheelchair. Or someone who is using like a some sort of disability aid to get around and walk and stuff. However, I also hate it because not everyone's disability is like physical, they can see. So the term physically challenged 
doesn't cap everybody or a whole spectrum of disabilities. For me, at least, it seems like a, only a small minority of our big community, basically. But definitely for myself, I prefer disability. That's what I grew up on. That's what I know. That's kind of part of my identity. And I just don't want to change it. Yeah, I also cringe heavily when I hear stuff like that. It does, like, I, I heard you say it. I have a question read out. And my belly did literally go like that. <laughs> oh, like you physically, I, I literally felt my shoulders tense like this. I was like, Mm-mm. my stomach literally sank into my anus. Like it was awful. <laughs> nice visualization there. <clears throat> it was. It's a beautiful metaphor. I am keeping that in the podcast. I ate before I came here. <laughs> Thanks for that visual. Um, Love that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I hate it. The reason why I hate it, and by the way, I never say hate. I, I think hate is a very strong word. I try to avoid using it. But I it literally, uh, because it is just so awful. It's a, because it's like disabled isn't a bad word. And stop telling me how to identify. Stop being the one to be like, oh, no, you can't say this because it's, it's negative and it, it will get you down. And no, the word won't get me down. Exactly. It's always the people who aren't disabled who are like, no, you should use physically challenged. No, you shouldn't. If you've got a term that you specifically go by or you connect with, roll with it. Like, that's yeah. what like, makes me want to, like, shrivel up and die, basically. <laughs> like a prune. Like prune vibes. <laughs> uh, imagine Julia's just a little prune. Oh, boy. Yeah, no. No, thank yeah. you. <laughs> anyway, like, what's your thoughts on that, then? Um, I don't have the connection with it that you guys have. It's more of something vicarious. I have yet to listen to a single disabled person or even look at their comments on any social media who likes that term. The only people who are using it and encouraging their use are non-disabled people. So um, even though I understand the cringe. I absolutely understand the cringe. I don't have a personal relationship with that. But um, listen to what the community says. Yeah. When it comes to any group, especially a minority group, listen to the members of the group. Don't Outsiders do not get to decide what the group call themselves okay i'm gonna kind of do a spin-off on this question i mean for me and job probably will be different spin-off i don't know how it's gonna be for lexi the question the original question is do you always try to help to help people who are disabled i want to spin that on its head and ask you joel 
how do you like do you feel it's necessary for people to help you or help other disabled people and and this one uh oh yeah i think goes really well also with the next one do you tend to think that disabled people always need your help i think oh, those two are yeah, 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 that's what I'm kind of meant. I do it like on the second one. So you can do both questions then. Do you always try to help people who are disabled? And do you think that disabled people always need help? I don't, mainly because I myself am disabled and generally can do less than the other disabled person can do. Um, but also, um, as a disabled person, uh, I, I get told literally, that I'm an inspiration for going to Tesco to pick up some milk. Yep. Tesco is like Walmart. Um, but yeah, I, I, I get people saying that I'm an inspiration for being alive. Like, well done, yay, I, I didn't kill myself, yay. No. <laughs> a child, and they say, wow, good job. But when you become in your, like, teens, early adulthood it becomes old and becomes really weird yeah it's really weird being told that you're inspirational when you're holding a two-pint bottle of milk in your hand look how strong i am i can lift some milk <laughs> thing is i put them in a the basket because i can't hold anything in my lap or hold it out the phone yeah true that's so inspirational you can put it in a basket <laughs> <laughs> Also, do you think, like, people, disabled people always need help? Uh, no, sorry. I, I was going to answer that, and then I got distracted with my milk. Um. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right now, because you guys are cracking me up. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know from experience that disabled people don't, uh, often don't need help because they have their own ways of managing. So, for example, uh, I'm trying to think of an example that happened to me, um, but I can't remember what it was or where, where I was or anything. But I remember someone coming to help me, but actually in helping me, they made it more difficult because they put something in a place that I wouldn't be able to reach it later on or just something like that. So I will have my own ways of managing. Um, I will do... I, I will have developed my own techniques so that I can be independent. So when someone helps me, or they think they know how to help me more specifically, it, they often will put something in a way that means it actually makes my life harder in the long run, or it means that I don't get the practice to do something. So when I was younger, for example, and I'm holding my bag, I will need to figure out how what's the, what the best way to hold my bag is for future use. And by you always doing it, it means that I'm not getting to learn what works best for me. Uh, and so sometimes it is right that you let disabled people, uh, I don't want to say struggle, um, but let, let them work out how to do it, uh, particularly if they're a young person, because I mean, I understand, you know, you always want to help a young disabled person. I, I understand that. but. I would say more of them are not that person needs to be able to learn, needs to understand um, and figure out a way. Um, otherwise, they'll always be reliant. Um, but having said that, it, it is really hard to judge 
when it's right to help and when it's not. Because there are definitely times when people wish that, like the same people wish that someone would offer to help them um, because they're in a certain situation. And it can be really um, demoralizing or really embarrassing to have to ask sometimes. So just asking and being, you know, willing, but not forcing your help on them. Yeah, I think there's definitely points in like everyday life, for example, that you need help with. So for example, like myself, if I can go independently to a shop and like buy myself, you know, my weekly food shop, right? The only disadvantage of that is I can't reach high shelves. That's the point where, yes, I'm going to need someone's help. But at the same time, there have been experiences for myself and probably others as well, where you ask for help, but that person is making it 10 times harder by making it seem like they're doing you a service or they're doing it because they have to, not because they want to, if that makes sense. And that kind of makes it very... um. I guess not humiliating, but like um, discouraging, making you feel that you always have to have a second person with you who is willing from the start to help you instead of asking a stranger to help you. Yes, there's also instances, for example, if someone passes out in the in the disabled toilet, for example, and they pull their own emergency cord. That is a point where there needs to be help for that person. But things such as, I don't know, learning to put a T-shirt on or being able to take care of your personal hygiene to some extent that you're able to, it's not something that, yes, there should be someone on hand to help you if need be, but you want to keep some sort of form of dignity. Now, that can be dignity in like your personal hygiene, you being able to cook, you being able to catch transportation on your own, you being able to voice out to somebody that you need help. That's That, that takes courage for somebody, especially when they are so used to doing everything on their own. It could be that one day like their disability could deteriorate, deteriorate over time, and in the, in the beginning of their disability or their diagnosis, whatever you want to label it as, it could have done everything under the sun on their own. And then 10, 20 years down the line, they're not able to tie their shoelaces. They're not able to, I don't know, transfer onto a wheelchair or a mobility scooter, or they're not able to spend long hours traveling somewhere and would rather have something be happening online or that person coming to them or meeting them halfway. Do you see what I mean? It should be things like that, that, um, that people should help with, but definitely not force upon that person and like bullying them into helping them. Yeah. Oh boy. Un unsurprising, my point of view is very different, and I, but kind of meshes in with that as well. 
well. Um, uh, so I did not grow up uh, disabled. Um, I, I recall, I understand the desire to help people, to, to help someone with disability, and it all, it really comes from a point of selfishness. Um, so for, I, I have a very strong memory of, I was in the grocery store with my mom. I'm probably in my young teens at the time. And there was a man in the wheelchair in the aisle and he had a basket in the back of his wheelchair and his bag was just out of reach for him to be able to reach back there and grab it. Um, and I was walking by and I saw it. I, I didn't know, well, should I help him? Should I offer to help him? Um, the honest truth is I kept walking and pretend I didn't see that he needed help. And then he called me and asked, Hey, uh, can you help me please? And uh, grab it. Um, and so I did. And I helped him. And then I was on top of the world. I was just the most fantastic person. I helped a disabled person. I'm so special. So. Oh, yeah, very cringeworthy memory and things I would love to uh to change um <laughs> uh i definitely don't help unless someone asks for their help or if i see that they that it is a ask them before helping yeah. um it, it's their choice whether or not uh, I help or not. Now, on the opposite end, as I have gotten older, I have needed more help. And I'll be honest, uh, uh, throughout my young, my young life, um, teenager, oh, 20s, even early 30s and such, I struggled with receiving help. I saw help as being, well, I don't think that you can do this, so therefore I'm going to help you. I'm going to do it for you. And this is something that I'll talk about at a later time. That's kind of how I was raised. That if you needed help, that means that we think you're too weak to do something on your own. Um, and so I saw help as being a personal slight, a, a you're not good enough to do it on your own um, kind of thing. So as I've gotten older, I have uh, adjusted my thinking a lot and still not perfect. I am still a way to prideful thing um and the thing is it is both too much pride for me to ask for help as well as too much shame 
And, and those two, um, you, you'd think those would be two opposite emotions, but they are like right there together. I don't know if I'm too prideful or if I'm too shameful, but it is so, so hard to ask for help. Even when someone offers the help, I'm quick to, um, I'm quick to dismiss it. Tell them I'm fine. Fine. Um, because of the shame and stigma or pride uh, that comes with receiving help. Um, let's just say I've got like a lot of trauma connected with help, but I will say when it comes to helping someone else, it is primarily out of selfishness because helping someone else makes me feel good. We can also flip it on its head where, yes, there are people who are willing to help a disabled person if they asked, but also there's some people, and I'm sure like me and you, Joel, we've experienced sometimes where you ask for help and you're either dismissed by that person or they make it 10 times harder by having an attitude about it. Mm. Or feeling they, oh, I don't feel like it, this, that, and the other. Or the excuse of, well, it's not my job to help you. You should be having someone with you all the time. Those kind of, you know, questions, instances, comments. And from that one, like, from those, like, maybe one in, like, 10 experiences that you have, a day, a week, a month, a year, whatever it is, you could, that one instance can change your perspective very quickly. But also, I feel like even with the use of, again, back to social media, you can say that you had a bad experience with someone, and then those people are quick to back up that person. Hmm. They're saying, well, it's not their job. Their job is to be um, unpacking the produce and putting it on shelves they're not there to be your personal shopper like those kind of you know that i'm using supermarket supermarket as a very you know generic um example but it's things like that where people are quick to defend other people's attitudes and i do wish there was more people who were ready to jump on it and be like i want to help disabled people but also, there should not even be, like, I'm not saying what Lexi's reaction, saying that she was she feels good as a person to help disabled people. That's amazing that you do. But there's also people out there who boast about it, making it their entire personality that they help disabled people, that they're willing to help. Does that make sense? And they're kind of the people who other people then pick on and say, oh, but why do you bother? Why would you help them if, you know, they're not able to do those things? Why? Do you know what I mean? Yes. I wanted to um, include one, like, final story, one little anecdote in there. Um, it's not necessarily about helping people, but it's about asking for help. And it might be, like, right where you are talking um i was working two jobs uh same time one of them was for the uh united states postal service i i i had took a temporary employment there um 
just as Christmas help, help with the influx of things, while I was still working at a hardware store. Um, and in the post office, they have rules and they say it over and over and over and over again. If you need help, ask. If you need help lifting, don't be a hero, ask for help. Okay. Um, so I took that line of thinking to back to the hardware store. And so I asked for some help lifting up a five gallon bucket of paint. I don't know how much those things weigh. And I don't know what the um, gallons versus uh, liters, but it's a lot. Anyway, I asked um, one of the guys for help and he looked at me and he just laughed. What, you need help lifting that? And he just takes it and flings it up. He's like, there, there is a lot of stigma with asking for help. And that it, I think it is very much different than what you experience personally. Absolutely. Um, but it, it still affects you one way or the other. It, you may be able to ask for help in one location, but go to another location and it's completely different. And so you have to change way of thinking. And uh, I don't know, I walked on eggshells after that and never asked for help. Um, so anyway, so that was just a little uh, side story one dimension. And then also the difference between, for, I guess for me and Joel, it's very easy to see that we need help. For example, because they see the wheelchair as, I guess, a universal sign because the disabled symbol is a wheelchair. That's a universal, universal sign that you need help. Because you're in a wheelchair, you need help. But with someone like you, for example, Lexi, who was able, I don't know, were you able to like maybe move around more than you were before your... Um, yeah, I had um, I had no issues with lifting and walking. I used to walk four miles uh, to work, and I'm not just saying that as an old grandma kind of a thing. Um, no, I didn't have a car, and so I and the buses didn't early, so I would walk four miles to work, and then I would work an eight-hour shift on my feet. Now I can barely walk to my driveway. And here's a here's an issue now is where people see that dramatic shift they went from seeing you being able to come into work from a four mile you know uh radius or walking distance whatever you want however you want to say it to you not being able to and having to ask for help to do something as in their eyes simple as lifting a five gallon bucket of paint like yes. For example, no one's gonna expect me and Joel to lift a five-gallon bucket of paint, only because they see it that we're not able to. However, people on need to be more educated on. Yes, there can be diagnosis. Diagnosis is that a word? Diagnosis. Diagnosis. People get diagnosed a lot later in life, 
But then as soon as you get diagnosed, there could be a dramatic switch. And I don't know what it is with people, but some people, when they think of disability, they think of something that you're born with or something that you get diagnosed with in the beginning of your life and it slowly deteriorates your life and your life quality of life. They don't see that dramatic shift because it could be, you could be, uh, I don't know, diagnosed when you're in your 40s. As soon as you turn in your 50s, you're not able to do half the things you were able to do a decade ago. Yes, absolutely. So there's definitely a gap in knowledge, education, that yes, there are disabilities. They do, um, they do... Oh my god, my train of thinking. They do lower the quality of life or the way people live their lives. But there's also disabilities that dramatically change everything. It could go from you being able to walk the next day, you needing a wheelchair because you're not able to even go to the bathroom. Yeah. Uh, so just for those who are listening to the podcast, um, we got a list of questions from some website and I guess it's aimed towards able-bodied people. Uh, for like disability, no, probably not disability Pride Month, but more International Day of Persons with Disabilities. I believe these are also uh, exam kind of related questions where they discuss certain topics and this topic is disabilities and seeing what variety of answers someone could give someone. Yeah. Um, And so like these questions are weird to ask a disabled person. Uh, So... That's why we're kind of adapting it. So, um, Julia, what message do you think disabled people would like to tell those without disability? Treat us like humans. We deserve <laughs> equality. We deserve rights. We deserve to have things accessible to us. I can't stand when people who are able-bodied or people who don't understand the life of a disabled person saying that we just sit on our ass all day and don't do anything with our lives. That we just sit with, um, you know, benefits and all of those kind of things. We do wish to work, just make it accessible to us. I think with the use of uh, the pandemic, things did shift in the right direction, but we are definitely still very far behind as most businesses, companies, they still provide hybrid working environments, but there's still a um, a des- not desire, but they still want people to come in and work face to face, have interactions with others, which I personally understand. I love human interaction. Like I would rather be going out and meeting people and having to travel, not travel too far, obviously, I'm not asking for a death wish here, but what I'm saying is, like, I would love to get out of the house and meet people face-to-face, would love that. But also, I don't appreciate when there's an expectation for disabled people to come back to work face-to-face, but then come to find out that even the building, they put, for example, if you apply for a job during the pandemic, you got it, you worked with them throughout the pandemic online, you go into their office and it's not accessible to you. That's kind of, you know, what really annoys me. And them kind of saying, like, to us that we don't want to work, we would love to work, 
just give us the tools and the resources to do so. Yeah. Question. Oh, there we are. Okay, I see where, where we are. Okay, do you want to answer that one, Lexi? Um, I have one major disagreement in part. Uh, I'm American, very much American. And to me, it, it felt like COVID pushed us 10 steps backward. Mm -hmm. Um, because there was a lot, a line of thinking of, well, they died of COVID because of they had comorbidities. Oh, well, because they were fat. Well, because they were old. Well, that's why they died. And so it doesn't matter. We, we shouldn't have to take precautions for these people over here. I should be able to get my hair done. And those horrible nurses, they are... Uh, I, 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 um, it was absolutely heartbreaking. And um, to see what my country did with COVID and how they absolutely turned against anybody who needed help. Um, and I, I don't know how COVID and whatnot was handled there. I am fortunate. I am in a place... Uh, People still mask today. I personally still wear a mask. Several of my coworkers do. Um, I go out to the store and I usually see one or two people in masks, um, especially people who, um, especially in places where there's lots of people, I very much still see people wearing masks. Um, but in, um, in other places, there was a huge stigma around wearing a mask. Well, why should they change their lives just to, you know, protect someone like you? Hmm? You know, uh, and so I, I don't know, the whole COVID thing really broke me. I really thought that we, as humanity, as people would come together and to fight a common enemy kind of thing. In this case, um, a, a, a virus, but no, uh, people turned against each other and disabled people, elderly, overweight, which we have so many overweight people, like they were the first to be sacrificed. Um, so I don't know exactly where I was going with that, but that is something that I saw here in the United States. Um, I don't necessarily even remember what the original question was. I so in the moment, do you think that disabled people are not being heard as much? As in, like, I'm guessing... What I'm thinking is, globally, disabled people have the same goal, which is to have rights, to have things accessible to them, and to have resources and 
platform or a way to speak out and get people's attention. In what way is that going on in America? Um, definitely as a result of all of that, people are afraid to speak up. Um, people are afraid to speak up of what they're... People are able-bodied. Um, how... Newly disabled people? Because in this case, a lot... Let's say, for example, we'll go back to the COVID, but this continues on. The same... They were healthy. Maybe they said things about others and blah, 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 comorbidities, but they have, um, and then all of a sudden they get COVID and now they've got long COVID and need help. Um, people were more unwilling to come forward and say that because now they did, would end up being the target of that uh, rationale. Um, my grandmother, uh, uh, she was 96. She passed away, not this past February, the previous February, I think. Um, she, um, passed from COVID and the family was hush hush about it. It was like, it was a shameful secret. And, um. Yeah, that that was kind of a heartbreaking thing that go to the um I go to the cemetery and I'm one of the first ones there. And the priest guy and one of the other guests are there and they are both mocking uh COVID uh they, they are standing over her casket and they are mocking the um uh I, I forget the word Proto protocols, the safety protocols. Right. Oh, no. and, and so that's the thing. It's like such a uh it, it became it becomes like a level of shame to go from being strong and able bodied to now being well, being, being disabled. Um, yeah. So, I don't know if that answers the question at all, but <laughs> me, me going. Essentially, what it is is there is the voices being heard in America are not as loud as they are, for example, what we hear here in the UK. Here I can say that it is kind of louder, I want to say, and especially with the use of social media. Um, us going to the expo, Joel, we saw a lot of people that we know from the media who talk about it all the time, and it is heard quite loudly. There's actually been a couple of articles written about them recently, which I think is a great thing. But obviously, not every person every country every group of people are gonna agree with what we want what we would like to see happen it's kind of on the preface of will they be bothered is it worth us talking about it yes it is but will there be change 
who knows and how long who knows yeah yeah okay next did you want to choose the next question all right Let's see do you think science will be able to end disability one day now this is one of the questions that we read out before we started recording and both me and Julia were like, oh, we're going um, So this will be an interesting one to end on. Um, will science one day get rid of disability? I hope it does not. Um, because I think that one of the great things about the human race is the diversity. It's the, the, the uniqueness of each person. Uh, you know, you have the, the different ages and genders and, and races and religions, and uh, cultures, and their histories, and their languages, and so many things. And I think that disability is one of those things that makes people unique. It adds a different layer to the human experience. That's a really weird way of phrasing it, but I said it now, and I'm not taking it back. Um, I, I think that it's important that people are different. Um, and have different ways of living. Um, and I think the only thing that really needs to change in terms of disability is society and how society embraces disability and how people uh, adapt and, you know, the support that people give each other, um, you know. Uh, so I hope that science one day will end the separation between disability and society and the rest of society. I kind of see it from your point of view, but also I think when it comes to science, um, maybe not to end disability, but maybe also advance the technology of how to help people. So you could have potential... Like, I can understand you can have, you're treating the symptoms, but not curing that person. Like, science could be a great crutch to extend life expectancy for people, having a wider spread of, spe uh, of um, treatments available. But I don't think science will go that far to the point of completely having someone be free from a disability with an injection, a surgery, or some sort of device that can be planted into somebody. However, I also can see it from the point of view of if someone, and this is where my, my other side kind of has also pulled out my heartstrings, where someone who is disabled, for example, has a, there's a, a chance that their baby could have a disability and they themselves have a disability. I think science is helpful in the way of, will this benefit this person if they have a child that is disabled as well? Or could be even through poverty, for example. Someone could be pregnant with a baby, that baby could come out disabled, and science has to be there to help catch it, and then that person can make a decision whether or not they want to I don't want to say take a risk, but I'm going to use it anyway. Take a risk of having that baby with a disability. 
but also um, coming from people who are also diagnosed a lot later in life, I don't think science should mess with it. Should mess with like telling them we can still cure you, we can still get rid of it. Like, yes, you want to make people's life easier and longer and not painful and enjoyable to the fullest. But I don't think messing with genetics, messing with, I don't know, DNA should be something that science should be able to do. I hope that rant didn't had some sort of structural sense. I'll say I really love this format of getting, like, so many different perspectives of the same question. I'm really enjoying this. Um, there is no way that science can end disabilities because one, there's just too many different types of disabilities and there are new ones being discovered. Um, um, so I mentioned COVID a little bit earlier. Long COVID is a new thing and had a new effect. And so even if science can quote unquote cure one type of disability, it could very well cause another. Um, so there is no way that science can end disability, but science can create adaptability um for disabled people um and like as julia was saying like the whole um especially like altering any kind of genetics kind of science fictiony uh things opens up a whole can of worms me when i was younger always was asked would you what would you do to be able to walk again? Or what, again, be able to walk, right? Because I would always be sitting on the sidelines. I couldn't get involved in like sports days. Or my friends would go up to the climbing frame and be up in the little cubby up there for like God knows how long. And I was stuck down there waiting for them to finally decide to calm down. Like, it's things like that. Maybe when you're, when I was, when, I was younger, making me think, oh, I wish I could, like, be able to do that. I could be cured or I could have the ability to walk. But as I got older, it made me realise I don't need to because I shouldn't be adapting my body for somebody else or for society just to be able to be like any other average person or able-bodied person. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks everyone for joining us on part one of this. Uh, I was going to say mini series. Is it a mini series if it's just two episodes? I think it's like a marathon. It's more marathon. A marathon. Well, the first leg of that. That's that's not a good uh, saying for me. First wheel of our marathon. First part. There you go. I was being funny. You didn't even laugh. I know. I'm being practical. Boring. Uh, 
Thanks for joining us. Um, we'll be back this time next week with more questions like these because there are some good questions and there are questions that we will come up with um, that I feel like were kind of touched on but not completely touched on. If that makes sense. I feel like that's not even a good sentence, but it's a sentence I'm going to claim. <laughs> if you want to be a guest on this podcast, then get in contact with us at ramptup.podcast at gmail.com or one of our social media. All of our social media is linked down in the description below. Um, and go and follow us. We, we try and post a lot on there. Also join us on our Discord server. Um, which we're building uh, a community of disabled people, slowly but surely. Very slowly, but very surely. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks for joining us, and we'll be back next week. That's it for me, Joel Sprouse. For me, Julia Shenka. And me, Lexi Bush, now. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.